And yes, I am Jason Whitlock, the host of Fearless with Jason Whitlock right here on Blaze TV. Uh, so looking forward to today's show. TJ Moe, my right-hand man, is uh, with me as well, and we'll be here for the next three hours. And do we have a fantastic show planned for you today? Uh, we're going to talk about Queen Elizabeth and people's crazy reaction to her death. A, a woman named, I think, Uja Anya, uh, wishing Queen seconds. Elizabeth an excruciating, painful death, uh, blaming her for England's colonization of Nigeria and other African countries. Uh, we're going to get into that and explain to Uja and anybody else that has a problem with uh, Queen Elizabeth why they're nuts, uh, why they're crazy, and why they don't understand history uh, of the world, of England, of, of just empires. They don't understand anything. They just want to be victims. I'm going to use Vody Bachman to re rebuke and refute that narrative. Uh, stay tuned. Great show playing for you here on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Sitting in for Glenn Beck, and as I told you, we're going to talk about uh, Queen Elizabeth, but we're also going to talk about the murder spree in Memphis and what that says about American culture, what that says about black culture, uh, and also, because I'm sitting in Glenn's chair, and I'm not sure if uh, Glenn has gone into this, but we're going to talk about BYU and South Carolina and that whole incident last week. Uh, that South Carolina has used to smear BYU over the uh, Duke volleyball player. Uh, we're going to get into Queen Elizabeth, Memphis, and BYU. Fantastic show. So honored to be here. Jason Whitlock, the host of Fearless, sitting in for Glenn Beck. Uh, Port Authority of New York and New Jersey police officer James Kinley passed away in 2017 from 9-11 related cancer he developed from his search and recovery efforts at the World Trade Center following the terrorist attacks. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is committed to ensuring America keeps its vow to never forget 9-11 and keeps the memory of heroes like Officer Kinley alive. The foundation's 9-11 Never Forget Mobile Exhibit is a tribute to all who lost their lives that day or who have died from related illnesses. It's a high-tech tractor trailer that transforms into a museum to educate people about America's darkest day. Welcomed around the nation, the memorial provides interactive education through guided tours. FDNY firefighters have 
provided firsthand accounts of the day and its aftermath to over 600,000 people to date in nearly 50 states and Canada. Visit it in a city near you. Do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to TunnelsToTower.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck. I hope you guys are excited. It's been a while uh, since I've sat in for Glenn. I'm very uh, excited to be here uh, in Dallas. Uh, Later today, uh, I'm going to meet with uh, someone that I have a great deal of respect for. Uh, It's part of the reason I've I've come to Dallas. Uh, I'm going to have dinner with uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Tony Evans, Uh, someone who's had a great impact on my spiritual growth and development over the past couple of years, even though he doesn't know it. Uh, But during, you know, the COVID pandemic, the early parts of it, you know, when people, when I was forced to go online and look for, you know, religious sermons to participate in, Tony Evans is one of the guys that I stumbled across and fell in love with and and now I'm getting to meet Tony. I've been I've been reading. I'm almost done reading his book, Kingdom Politics. So looking forward to that. But I'm more than anything, I'm looking forward to hosting this show and this three-hour conversation uh, that we will have today. And I want to start with uh, Queen Elizabeth and her passing. Uh, it's I don't want to pretend that I'm some sort of expert on Queen Elizabeth because I'm not or even the monarchy. I can't even say I watch, TJ, have you heard of the show The Crown? A no. lot of people have watched The Crown and love it. I've, I've been told it's an excellent show. I haven't even watched that, although I tend to. So I, I don't know a lot about the monarchy, but I have been amazed at some people's reaction uh, to Queen Elizabeth's death. Uh, a woman named Uja Anya, and she's now, since I either Twitter pulled down her tweet or she pulled down her tweet where she wished excruciating pain on Queen Elizabeth. And this is in yesterday in the early hours when the reports first start coming out that, you know, Queen Elizabeth has taken a turn for the worst. Uja Anya, a uh, professor at Carnegie Mellon University, uh tweeted out, uh, this is one of her tweets that I think is still up. If anyone expects me to express anything but disdain for the monarch who supervised a government that sponsored the genocide that massacred and displaced half my family and the consequences of which those alive today are still trying to overcome, you can keep wishing upon a star. Wow. Uh, Anya uh, later said in the interview that she is a child of colonization. Her mother was born in Trinidad and her father in Nigeria. Parents met in England in the 1950s as colonial subjects. Uh, I think she goes, in addition, this is a quote from Anya, I guess, in a television interview. In addition to the colonization on the side of Nigeria, there's also the human enslavement in the Caribbean. So there's a direct lineage that I have to not just people who were colonized, but also people who were enslaved by the British. And she's blaming Queen Elizabeth for all of this. And and it leads 
to, and again, those of you that have seen me, heard me before, sit in for Glenn, my complaint, the, the, the times that we're living in, the conversation that I keep talking about is that <clears throat> America and the world has moved away from a biblical worldview, a Judeo-Christian culture and values. We're moving away. This is a very secular person talking because forgiveness is no part of her mindset, agenda, or belief system. There is no forgiveness. There's only retribution. There's only revenge. There's only animus. And it's it's funny that, or it's ironic or quite a coincidence that Queen Elizabeth died yesterday. And uh, yesterday, I... I exercise pretty much every day on my Stairmaster machine that I have set up in my uh, one of my spare bedrooms. I've turned into a gym. And every day that I'm on my Stairmaster, I try to, I make an attempt to watch a religious sermon over YouTube. And so yesterday, I'm watching a Vody Bachman uh, uh, sermon that's, called, that's titled, Let That Stuff Go, The True Story of Joseph. And I'm I'm exercising and I'm thinking about uh Queen Elizabeth and people's reaction and I'm listening to Vody Bachman and this is a 5-month-old sermon. I believe he delivered it in March and it directly relates the way he unpacked the story of Joseph directly relates to what we're seeing people's reaction to Queen Elizabeth. They don't want to let anything go. And uh, Vody unpacked the story about Joseph, said that like some of our perception of the story of Joseph is, is, is wrong. He, he, I think he unpacked it as, as a rebuke, a criticism of prosperity gospel because Joseph uh, enslaved, his brother selling him into slavery, uh, he eventually gets in prison over false charges uh, of a woman basically telling her husband that Joseph tried to seduce her and he Joseph gets in prison. But then he gets out of prison because he can interpret dreams and Pharaoh uh, needed some dreams interpreted. And Joseph did a great job of predicting that there's going to be seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine and King Pharaoh then makes him basically second in command of Egypt. And and Vody's point was that a lot of us tell the story of Joseph and and we say, man, look how good God God was to Joseph. Look at all the things he received by being obedient to God and loyal to God and, and loyal to his religious beliefs and faith. And 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 Vody is like God definitely is good, but the things that Joseph received were not good. He was taken from his homeland. He he was stripped of his name. He was given a pagan wife. Uh, he served a king that didn't believe in God. A king that saw himself as a God. And he goes, so I, I, I th- 
people that tell the story of Joseph as some sort of like, man, look how good God was to him and look at all the things he received are missing the entire story and the, and the point. And basically, Joseph's story should be told as why we need to let things go, the power of forgiveness, that Joseph's entire story is about forgiveness, and it's about, uh, it, 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 it's, oh, I just, I was just telling TJ, my, oh, that he's living, that any place on earth, you're basically living in your land of affliction. And and those of us that are sitting around thinking that there's some place on this planet, those of us that are believers, that there's some place on this planet that is ideal and is going to be our heaven here on earth, don't understand our faith, don't understand our religion, don't understand the point of Christianity, don't understand the point of service to God, because this world is fallen, and every place is your land of affliction. And so I started thinking about Uja Anya, who somehow thinks that Great Britain or England or Queen Elizabeth, the monarchy, that these people are her land of affliction and, and they should all suffer. And if, if they suffer and if every if I had just been left alone in Nigeria, my whole world would have and my whole life would have been completely different and I would just be happy and content. And it's all a joke. If you this world is fallen, and so the people that are trying to demonize America, trying to demonize uh England, trying to demonize the monarchy or whatever, like, hey man. That's this world. We are living basically in a state of purgatory, and our real homeland is with God and in heaven. And every place we live until then is our land of affliction. And and so that's why we need to embrace forgiveness and have a, a, a deeper understanding of our life purpose and where our real uh, peace fulfillment, happiness, joy is going to come in our afterlife, but we don't have that mindset across the globe or certainly here in America anymore because we're a very secular society. And in a secular world, in a godless world, there is no forgiveness. There's only rebuke, retribution, demonization, villainization of other human beings. So, we're going to have that discussion, and I'm going to bring T.J. Moe into that discussion because T.J. Uh, knows the Bible even better than I do, far better than I do, actually. Uh, and, and I'm going to invite you guys into that conversation. And that's what we're going to cover in the first hour, Queen Elizabeth, how we should feel about her, how we should feel about the culture we've built and the culture that we, we're tolerating now that is very secular. Uh, but before I go on, I want to tell you guys, uh, maybe it's cooler weather or the temptation to cozy up, but there's something about fall that makes me want my house to feel like home. That's why my fall project is getting new custom window treatments from Blinds.com. A fall home 
refresh doesn't need to be a hassle and ordering online shouldn't mean sacrificing style or service. Blinds.com has a premium selection of blind shades, shutters, and drapes. They even have motorized shades to make your life that much easier. Need help making a selection? Their design experts are always here for live consultations. Need help measuring or installing? They've got that covered too. With Blinds.com, there's never any hidden fees or misleading quotes, no showrooms or retail markups, and shipping is always free. I'm so looking forward to this personally uh, because my mom, she lives in an awesome condo in Indianapolis, and she has a sunroom that she sits out in, and it needs new blinds, it needs new window treatments, and, and blinds.com is the route that I'm going because this sunroom is where she uh, does her Bible study every day. It's her favorite place in the condo. Uh, she sits out there, reads her Bible. She prays. It's her little safe space area of satisfaction and, and reflection and deep thought and prayer and connection with God. And blinds.com is going to hook her up and make that spot even better. Shopblinds.com right now and save up to 40% state, uh, site-wide. Get up to 40% off everything at Blinds.com. Blinds.com's rules and restrictions may apply. 10 seconds, station ID. Back. Welcome back. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck, TJ Moe, my sidekick and right-hand man here with me in Dallas. Uh, TJ, uh, Queen Elizabeth has died. Were you rooting for her to have an excruciating death? I was not. Um, (laughs) The royal family is irrelevant to me, although Americans seem to have a crazy infatuation with royalty. I don't know why that is, but this is why people are obsessed with Meghan Markle. She was a, a second-rate actor who now gets the attention of everybody. She has, I think, the number one podcast on Spotify now. She passed Joe Rogan with her early episodes. Meghan Markle? Yes. Is popular on Spotify? She just released a podcast, hit number one, passed Joe Rogan for the first time. I mean, Rogan had it for years. And um, because she did nothing more than marry well, look, I, in the royalty. Let's, those ratings, I guarantee you in a week or two, they're going to come back to earth. Hmm? You, you pro- she probably gets a little extra boost because she's relatively new or brand new as opposed to Joe. But but anyway, I, I can't continue because one of my thoughts literally yesterday was I don't I don't get I never even because I've lived long enough to remember when Princess Diana died and I wasn't that interested in that. I'm not that interested in royalty. And, and all that. And, and I thought that was like part of the reason we got away from England. And and so I don't get the obsession with royalty, but I also uh, not sitting around rooting for an excruciating death. <laughs> Especially for somebody that, to my understanding, has no power, only influence. Right. It's like I think they said 13 prime ministers, 15 United States presidents that she ruled through. And so. Rule is in quotations because I think she was just a figure, um, but she helped guide them through some times. And you know, John Hadley, one of our producers here, was telling me one of her biggest accomplishments is just staying out of the social media muck 
And when everybody gets dirtied up and dirt comes out of it. She's 96. I just don't know if she'd be on Twitter. No, no, I get that. <laughs> but I'm saying nothing came out about her. Gotcha. And so it's like as the social media era is taking everybody out, she was still seen as the queen and your majesty and all that sort of thing. So I, I just don't know how you mentioned forgiveness. I don't know how somebody who I think she came to rule in, in 1952. 52 right? or 53. Yeah. yeah. So she's done nothing. All of the, this is this is post World War II stuff. She's done nothing as far as all the uh, colonizing, all, all the different issues that this person has. She's done none of that. It was her family lineage, perhaps, but she's done virtually nothing. Again, somebody with virtually no power. So my big issue with the forgiveness thing is we're we're not even blaming the people who did it. We're blaming people who are descendants of the people that did things because you don't have anybody else to blame. So you should be forgiving people for what they do. None of us want to be known for the worst thing we ever did, right? If we all got to live like that, we're all screwed. That's why Jesus had to come in the first place. But you certainly shouldn't be blamed for the sins of others. Certainly. Their argument is that uh, you're benefiting from the sins of others. There's, you know, the, the Great Britain, the empire, whatever, and the descendants of the, of that, those people are benefiting now. But here's my, let's she's say, benefiting too. What's she doing? What kind of life is this girl living? Sh- show you. me what terrible life she's living. I, I want to see the terrible things that have happened to her now in, in, a uh, place today where virtually everybody on the globe is better off than anybody in the world was 200 years ago. And so while many of these things were happening, she's the one benefiting from all of these people that have, have uh, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. She's a beneficiary of these things. No question. And there's also just the argument that it's, and I don't want to, I don't want to appear, but it's like, does she even understand like, power and what and this is what I like about the show Game of Thrones what I like about uh, the the replacement the prequel House of Dragons is like does she understand what human beings regardless of skin color what they will do for power and and they will conquer and will Oppress is the word that they use, but they'll impose their will is a more accurate description uh, on on others. And it doesn't matter color. And does she understand that black people, Africans, sold each other into slavery? And so you want to blame the people that bought the slaves, but you don't want to blame the people that sold the slaves. And then as it relates to England, they ended slavery before a lot of other people. We're going to dive deeper. Stay with us. The Glenn Back Program. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Uh, honored to be here. Hey, for those of you uh, just hearing from me for the first time, or maybe you've heard me before, uh, I want to tell you where you can find me in my fearless program. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, and that's where my show airs uh, every Monday through Friday, uh, 6 p.m. Central Time. 
that is 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the show is fearless and bold. I want you to check it out. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the real Jason Whitlock. Uh, but mostly, I want you to find me at YouTube, youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Uh, check out our fearless uh, programming because you'll hear conversations like the one we're having right now about Queen Elizabeth and people's foolish reaction and racialized uh, secular reaction to Queen Elizabeth. And the point I, I left off with as it relates to this Uja Anya, uh, this professor at Carnegie Mellon University, Carnegie's in Pittsburgh, I believe is she is she Ivy League educated or Brown? Brown. Oh, and oh yeah, Ivy League. Yeah, Ivy League educated. No surprise there. Hmm. These black elites, Ivy League educated elites, that have all this animus towards white people, towards Christian values, because Queen Elizabeth represents Christian. Judeo-Christian values, and that's part of the animus here. That's that's I don't I don't even know if it's part of the animus. I think it's all of the animus. There is a secular worldview that believes in punishing people that you disagree with. There's a secular worldview that believes in punishing white people and wishing excruciating death and pain on a 96-year-old woman. Who thinks like that other than someone who has no connection to God or a biblical worldview or any type of religious worldview? These secular people that think forgiveness is antiquated, that think they are not in need of forgiveness. The reason why I believe so fundamentally, foundationally in forgiveness is because I know I need it. I know all the mistakes that I have made and will continue to make because of my fundamental understanding that I am a fallen human being from the seed of Adam. And so once you accept that, and these people don't, they're God's. They, they have elevated and evolved well past any of the sins that have afflicted previous human beings. And, and I find this laughable. And, and, and as a black person and a descendant of slaves, what I find most laughable about it is that we think, and I know that and because I'm not God and, and because I'm going to be imperfect in this moment, I'm going to say something that probably doesn't line up with a biblical worldview. But I'm going to say it because I'm flawed and imperfect. Uh, we have these people running around to think that this generation, this latest generation of human beings have evolved well past the people of the 16, 17, 1800s. Oh, <laughs> we're just so above slavery and those people uh, participated in slavery and, and Oh, they're just the worst human beings. And again, what I'm about to say is not probably biblically sound, but I'm just sorry. 
the sin of slavery pales in comparison to the sin of abortion. My opinion. I'm not God. I'm not speaking from a biblical point of view. I'm talking about what I feel. The murder of kids in the womb, never giving someone a shot at life, is worse than slavery. Hate my guts. Think of me what you will. I'm a sellout. I've sold out black people. I don't care what your reaction is. The sin, in my view, of killing a baby in the womb is worse than slavery. So uh, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, whoever was king and queen of England uh, in the 1600s, they would look at us today and the normalization of, of abortion and people out in the streets uh, protesting and crying and going through convulsions. My body, my choice. I get to kill babies. How did this is a fundamental right I have to kill my baby in the womb? Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Richard Allen, the, the black dude that started the African Methodist Church in the, in the 1700s, they would look at us today and say, these are depraved animals. They're out in the streets fighting desperately for the right to kill babies in the womb. And they want to sit around and pass judgment on us because we imposed our will because we enslaved people. Both are bad. Both are bad. But you'll never convince me that abortion isn't worse. And so I look at these people that think they have evolved to this special place where they're so much better than the people of the past. And anybody connected to the people of the past, uh, they're so much better than them. And many of these people are on the front lines fighting for the right to kill babies in the womb. But we think we're better than them. I, I just completely reject that and disagree with it. And, and as it relates to uh, the people that want to demonize Queen Elizabeth and England and that time, do they understand? And that was my point before we went to break about just the history of mankind and, and mankind's nature of conquer, imposing will, imposing a set of values. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying everybody did it and does it. Did it and does it. And so the, the, there wasn't these black people in Africa that weren't trying to impose their will on other people. They're, they're going to come out in seven days. They got this farcical movie coming out called The Woman King. And it's about a tribe of Amazon warriors in Dahomey, Africa. And they're going to put these black women up as, you know, the greatest warriors in the history. And they fought off the French and 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 
The French were coming there to colonize and take over, and these Amazon women warriors fought them off. The woman king, and and these are the greatest fighters in the world, and they're going to leave out the the real history that the Africans in Dahomey, their primary trade was capturing other black people in Africa and selling them as slaves. That was their industry. They were slave traders. That's what they were fighting to defend. And it was actually the colonizers who ended that practice in Africa, in that part of Africa. There's still slavery going on in the world. (laughs) So this is Uja, Anye, and and the other people that want to criticize Queen Elizabeth, want to criticize America. None of them want to hold black people responsible for participating and promoting and being instigators of our own oppression. It's, it's, it's this belief that white people have this magical power over black people that relieves us of our own accountability. And, and oh my God, if white people hadn't tricked us, the, the, People in Dahomey, Africa, they would have never enslaved their own. They would have never sold their own into slavery. Yes, they would, and they did, and they were doing it for hundreds of years. And again, they didn't care who was coming to buy the slaves. Other black people could come and buy the slaves, and they were selling them to them as well. People will hate me for this, or maybe they won't. It's just factual. It's a blessing. I am here in America because God wanted me here in America. And he didn't care how I got here. He wanted me here. And I feel blessed because I was, my ancestors and I have been turned on to the Christian faith. And if not for our afflicted history, I would not be here and I would likely not be a Christian. Although, you know, there are some great Christian ministries now in Africa. I've, I've gone a little too long again, but I get to talking and Sarah, Sarah, you're supposed to yell at me and say, Jason, shut up. Uh, and and I was supposed to let TJ have a few words in here edgewise, but we'll do that in a second. Don't go anywhere. The Glenn Beck Program. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Uh, happy Friday uh, to you and yours. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation about uh, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, I, I'm going to let TJ jump in here, but first I want to give out our phone number, 1-888-727-2325, 1-888-727-2325. Invite your phone calls. Uh, would love to hear from you on this uh, Queen Elizabeth topic. TJ, I left off uh, speculating, talking about what Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and men of that era and generation would think about us today, you don't think I went far enough. I don't. I think 
they would think we're all schizophrenic. I, I think they would think we're that insane. We're, we're living in a time where it is acceptable. The, the official position of the Biden administration is that children should get hormone therapy and sex surgery if they think they're living in the wrong body. That's the actual position of this administration. You know, we're, we're living in a time where people think that men can become women just by thinking it and that kids should be at drag shows and that we should be able to kill kids on demand and, and that we don't need men at all, really. What's the point of men? And so, I mean, think about it from their time where men were the, the absolute necessity for survival, um, that they would look at this group of people who pretend to care about the sanctity of life while also demonstrating the most life-wrecking behavior possible. They'd think we're absolutely insane. They'd pay no attention to us at all. Yeah, I, I, I think, and, and people will not like me for this, but I could care less. We've become so godless, and, and I'll look at a flawed man that believes in God and will think that man or woman who believes in God, regardless of what their sin is, what their flaw, in, flaw is, at least they have a chance of correcting it. If they stay on the path of believing in God and put any effort into that, their sins will be corrected. And it's no different if you look at the history of America and look at the history of, of, of England and why uh, they were one of the first, if not the first, to outlaw slavery. It's because of their Judeo-Christian values. And, and particularly here in America, when we look at the sacrifices that Christians made during the Civil War— during the fight to end segregation and Jim Crow, that was, and again, all these atheists that are benefiting from it now uh, don't understand that it was believers who were willing to die during the Civil War. And again, they weren't kidding themselves. People act like, oh, well, the Civil War really wasn't about ending slavery. Yes, it was. Go listen to the Battle Hymn of a Republic. These guys, they're singing songs on the battlefield about dying so that other men can live free. It, this was believers sacrificing their lives for the benefit of other people. And so it's the Christian values are what made this country great. It's what increased the freedom. It's what gave freedom to my descendants and people that look like me. It's why women have the right to vote now. It's why uh, we can live, eat, drink, uh, educate ourselves wherever we want. And now these people want to abandon the thing that has liberated us. We're nuts. We're not better than our forefathers. We're abandoning their values and we're paying the consequences for that abandonment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Got a fantastic second hour planned for you as well. I want to take your phone calls. I want to start this hour taking your phone calls. 1-888-727-2325 if you want to participate in our uh, Queen Elizabeth conversation. Eventually in this second hour, we're going to transition to Memphis. 
I don't know if you guys uh, are aware of what's been going on in Memphis, but it has turned into the most dangerous city in America. It is murderous Memphis. Uh, A young man, a 19-year-old, live-streamed himself on a shooting, killing spree. Uh, And then we've seen Elijah Fletcher hunted down, stalked, raped, kidnapped, and murdered uh, a 34-year-old school teacher in Memphis. There's been a series of tragic, violent, criminal events in Memphis. I want to explain to you the culture that's created it and what we can do to fight against that culture. Uh, Don't go anywhere. This show's only going to get better. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck. I want to take your phone calls. 1-888-727-2325. Barbara. Barbara in Masset. No, can I do that? No, I can't do that. Oh, I'm sorry. I should be teasing. We're going to take your phone calls here next. And we're going to transition into a conversation about Memphis. Uh, we're going to do that. And in the third hour of the show, we're going to talk some BYU. I've been wanting to do that with Glenn's audience. Uh, and so timing is perfect. I want to talk about BYU and South Carolina and the allegations that BYU students chanted racial slurs at a volleyball player from Duke. Uh, fantastic Friday show for you. Jason Whitlock sitting there for Glenn Beck live here in Dallas. I'm going to dinner with Tony Evans later today. I'm excited to be here. It's a little hot in Dallas, but that's fine. I need to, I need to eat. Sweat some more pounds off. All right, don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Jason Whitlock, host of Fearless, sitting in for Glenn Beck. Uh, you can find me and the Fearless program Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Central Time at YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. I need you to go there right now. You can multitask, listen to this show, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, that's W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K, hit that subscribe button, uh, join the fearless army, we're provo- promoting strong masculine men to stand up in this time when men are letting us down, when America and the world is abandoning our biblical values, and we're paying the consequences for that, you can see it in our reaction to Queen Elizabeth, people actually uh, wishing her a painful death, people holding her responsible for the mistakes and flaws and sins all of us participated in. There are no victims in this world. Now, do I consider babies killed in the wombs victims? Absolutely. They never had a chance. 
But this whole thing where everybody is a victim, Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He was a victim. He paid the price for all of us to live free. And he washed or gave us grace and mercy for our sins. I just I just don't have a lot of tolerance for this victim culture and victimhood that's very pervasive right now and the lack of forgiveness uh, that we have in society. But I want to take your phone calls, invite you into this conversation. Barbara in Massachusetts has been waiting uh, patiently. Barbara, welcome to the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Hey, Jason. Thank you so much for taking my call. I think you and people like Glenn Beck are amazing and brave. And I'm here just outside of Boston, so I'm stuck behind common sense enemy lines. <laughs> and, um, you know, the Queen once said that that grief is the price we pay for love. And she was talking about her husband's death. And everything you've been saying in the past you know, hour or so, I agree with. And I think that pain is the price that we're paying for right now for turning our backs on God and in schools and just about everywhere. And, but besides all that, what do you think about Charles advocating the throne so that his son, a younger man can, can ascend the throne? You think, you think that's what he should do? Yeah, I, I do. And so, Barbara, I don't know if you listened to me, and I didn't go full in depth on this. I don't really care about the monarchy, or I know. And and so, what they do and all that ceremonial stuff, I don't believe in royalty. Uh, now, again, that that doesn't make me a harsh critic of them. I'm sure there's a philosophy behind uh, the monarchy, and and what they represent in, in, in a symbolic nature, what that represents to a culture. Uh, but I just don't believe in it. I don't believe, you know, I, I'm about as anti-elite a person as there is on the planet. And it, it doesn't matter how much money I make or what celeb friends I've made or people may see me as a celebrity. I'm always going to be, Jimmy and Joyce Whitlock's son, and Jimmy Whitlock, my dad, didn't graduate from high school. My mother was a 30-year factory worker. I'm just a working-class Joe, and, uh, you know, I don't have animus towards the, the royal family, but I also don't have the great interest that others have. And so I, I don't, you know, if they were... Game of Thrones or House of Dragons cast members, <laughs> I probably would care if this was a TV show. And I need to watch the show The Crown. Maybe that'll give me an appreciation for it. One reason uh, now King Charles should uh, not ascend to the throne is he is a serious climate activist. And he's going to, if he does have that sort of influence, he's been the one saying that our time is running out. We've got to take drastic measures. And so if he does have that influence... He's going. Our energy issues. Did are he write to, that story in 1989 about the world coming to an end in 2000? I remember the AP reporting that in 1989 that the world would come to an end by 2000 if we didn't do something about the climate. Was he involved in that article? I don't know about that one, but oh. it would line up with everything else I'm seeing here. <laughs> the uh, the it's, and this is just uh, well, this is July of this year where Prince Charles speaks out on climate change and said the climate crisis really is a genuine emergency. And, and this is where, and, and, and Barbara, thank you for the phone call. And again, this is just part of my belief system. 
and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but this whole notion that man is going to destroy what God created, I I, I find a, a bit laughable. Here's the only thing I'll push back on that. Yeah. Abortion is the embodiment of that. That man participates in the creation of that baby. True. I did not create grass. I did not create the sun. I did not create the trees, birds. I had nothing to do with any of that. And so people's ability to destroy what they have created, I believe in. And so we uh, have created a culture and societies and uh, countries and nations and borders and and. I'm looking at us destroy ourselves, the things that we've created. Mm -hmm. But those things that God spells out in Genesis that he created, I, I, I just don't know if we have the power to do that. Uh, and so that's where, I, and again, that does not mean we can't damage or uh not handle what God created appropriately, but I I think it's his garden, and uh, I don't think I'm powerful enough. And and again, I I think I think he'll destroy us, but I know he's made a covenant. <laughs> there, but I think we'll be destroyed before we ever destroy what God created. We will destroy each other. Yes, yes, I think that's true. Now I think we can do damage to things. I mean, we yeah. you know we light things on fire all the time, and there's but um, the my general theory on climate change is is what most conservative is. The climate's always changing, has always changed throughout history, and do we play a part in that? Perhaps, but these climate activists are so insane. There's not a single thing that they have offered us that doesn't take us back to the prehistoric times. So. Unless we're going to get rid of all of these microphones and everybody, unless everybody wants to live under California rule, what's happening today, where you have to pre-cool your house and don't turn it uh, below 78 because, sorry, we're running on wind turbines and they're just not turning fast enough for us to keep up, then uh, I'm not into this. And I, don't I actually think, think should be. part of me actually thinks the solution to all of our problems, though, is to get rid of all of this technology. <laughs> And, and I'm and I joke about I think it's the Amish or Quakers or whatever that I see on horseback and Amish yep. yeah yeah um, and and I, I I part of me thinks hey they've got it right mm. and and I say that sincerely I'm not trying to joke I'm saying because there's a lot of questions that get eliminated when you take away all of this technology I've talked about this on Fearless again there's no debate about the necessariness and the value of man when all of the technology is taken away. Mm -hmm. And, and so when people can't eat without a man going out and hunting and look, women are capable of doing some hunting. Uh, but that day to day primitive lifestyle in the 1600s, 1700s or whatever, women weren't sitting around going, I don't need no man. <laughs> they were sitting around, I better get me a man so that I can survive before one of these bears comes in here and kills me and everything that I love. Mm. And or 
some other man comes by my house and just says he's going to conquer me and beat me over the head and drag me to his house. This is why arranged marriages were a thing, because you were protecting your little girl. Here, I'm assigning you a protector, may not be the love of your life. That's not what interests me. Somebody's going to protect you, and I'm handing you off to that person. And people were so appreciative of that protection that they did love their protector. And, and again, human life, there was no debate about the value of human life before this. A child was a blessing, the greatest. Oh, my God. If I have a son, he's going to come out here and help me farm. If I have a daughter, she's going to help her mother or help us around the house, or she may do some of the farming. It's just a child was an amazing blessing. No one thought, hey, let me kill this baby in the womb. It's an inconvenience. It's like, no, here's someone else that's going to help my family. There was a reason that Abraham was so excited when God told him he'd be the father of many nations, because you actually took pride in your offspring and that was a part of your lineage. And people could say, oh, these guys all came from Abraham and he's the one who trained up these people, right? And and there is a measure that I think we should go back to and there's a happy medium, but like we used to look at women and say, why don't you have any kids? What are you doing? And now it's like, I couldn't possibly bring a child into this crazy earth. There's no way this world, and I'm like, listen, the, the crazier the world I gets, the more kids I want. Now, as a man, I the, the crazier this world has gotten, because I, I just don't think I could handle thinking I was leaving my kids to this world that we've created. This is why you got to have a bunch of kids. I've got, <laughs> I've got a kid, I've got a 16 month old, another kid on the way, and I want as many as my wife will let me have because what you do is you arm them with each other. And so it's one kid, don't have just one kid. That kid's probably in trouble when you're gone. You have five kids, they can take care of each other. All right. Uh, I'm going to take some more of your phone calls when we come back. I keep talking too much. Sarah keeps wagging her finger at me. I'm going to do better. Don't go anywhere. The show's going to get better. Welcome back. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck. Uh, Let's go back to the phone lines. Mike in Colorado. Welcome to the Glenn Beck radio program. Thank you. Be quick, but don't hurry. You got it. Um, well, I would like to juxtapose your comment about the Amish just now because technology, I think, is helping us. Thanks to places like Preborn, which I've given as a birthday present to my wife and a Christmas present to my mother-in-law, I think that that's where we're starting to see the switch around from the acceptance of abortion to the utter horror and tragedy that it is. Because as soon as you can show a young woman, as young as grade school, what an abortion actually is and what it's accomplishing. I think that is changing the hearts and the minds. And I think that you've given me new ammunition in the argument against it. I think that you are spot on that it is by far the worst of two evils compared to slavery. So thank you for putting that little arrow in my quiver. I'm going to be using that one. Mike, I appreciate you shouting out Preborn. Uh, I'm an authentic supporter. They've supported my show, uh, Fearless, and we support them. Uh, It's just a very small, affordable donation that can change uh, the life of a child in the womb and change the mother uh, when they see that human being, when they see that human being inside of them. 
they choose life more often than they choose to go through with the abortion. And Preborn is a great organization for people to get behind. Uh, I suggest, and I'm sure Glenn Beck and his audience is very well aware of a preborn. But thank you for the phone call, Mike. Uh, David, David in uh, what what Maine? Maine, Maine, Maine. Maine. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the far northeast. <laughs> hey, thank you, Jason. I just wanted to give you a little uh, pat on the back, I guess, and some encouragement. You know, I heard you say last segment or a couple of segments ago. You know, some people might not like this, but here's what I'm going to say. And I think, I think, brother, you need to lean into your Judeo-Christian philosophies and convictions, because one of the reasons that I listen to the Blaze, one of the reasons I listen to Glenn and all of you guys um, is because of that Judeo-Christian founding. And, you know, there's a lot of things that my parents said to me as I was growing up that I didn't want to hear and I didn't, I didn't like it but it was the most important thing for me to hear. So oftentimes the things that people take some sort of offense to um, are probably the things they need to hear the most. So don't apologize for that. Keep doing it. And I really appreciate hearing your voice. Thank you, David. I appreciate the phone call. Hey, listen, I've told the story many times on my show. Fearless people probably get tired of hearing me say it. And, and, and I don't tell, I just tell this story factually, not with a great deal of pride, but uh, <clears throat> when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I was a pretty good football player, expected to be a starter on a powerhouse high school football, varsity football team. But early in training camp, uh, first day we put the pads on, uh, my one of our assistant coaches uh, called me the P word out in front of all of my teammates. And he basically was being critical of me because of a game I played in ninth grade. While in, at that time, ninth grade was junior high at our in, in a junior high football game. I played very poorly against a very good player. And Tony Burchett, one of our assistant coaches, first day wearing pads, said, "Don't worry about Whitlock. He's a P. Uh, you know, as soon as he faces somebody good, he's going to fold." That changed my entire approach to football. It was a very hard, difficult truth. In this day and age, kids would all melt. Parents would probably be protesting. How dare you call my kid the P word? It actually inspired me, and it's the reason why I ended up getting a football scholarship. It's the reason why I went on to become captain of the team. We won a state championship. We were nationally ranked. Uh, I'm in my high school's Hall of Fame because Tony Burchett, who's now – uh, one of my best friends in life, he was just an assistant football coach then, now one of my best friends in life, called me a P-word out in front of everybody. And and so, yeah, I believe in telling uncomfortable hard truths. Uh, I think they can actually inspire people, and I needed that at that time. I'm not suggesting you do that at home, but it worked <laughs> for me. Uh, Beth in Texas. Beth, I haven't left you a lot of time. You're going to have to be quick without hurrying. No problem, sir. Uh, I believe in, in looking back in history, you have to be able to study both the good and the bad in people. So Elizabeth's death is making me remember, uh, you know, going back in time. Uh, we can't apply today's standards to what they did in order to understand them. And I can't get so filled with hate like the people are around me uh, on the left. I, I just I mean, to me, that's a lack of God allowing that hate to, to take over their heart. And it's it's. It's very sad. It's very depressing seeing people doing that to themselves. I refuse to go there. 
Beth, thank you for the call. I would hate to be judged just on my short past. I've only got 55 years to apologize for, but I could do an endless list of shows for all the things I need to apologize for. Thank God Jesus Christ forgave me of those sins. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk Memphis next. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck radio program. Thank you for joining me on this wonderful Friday afternoon here in Dallas. Uh, Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, We're going to switch up topics and dive into a topic I've been passionate about all this week. uh, And that's the events that have been transpiring in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I think it was Wednesday morning. There was an all day murderous shooting spree in Memphis, Tennessee. A 19-year-old, Ezekiel Kelly, has been accused of streaming live on Facebook as he drove around the city for most of the day, shooting at and killing. He killed four, injured three others. Police eventually hunted him down and arrested him. But that's not the only thing that's been transpiring in Memphis. We saw... Late last week, I think a week ago today, uh, Elijah Fletcher, 34-year-old school teacher, kidnapped, raped, and murdered while taking an early morning jog. She's hunted down, I think the guy's name is Cleotha Abston, kidnapped, raped, and murdered her, 34-year-old school teacher, a wife, a mother. Uh, we've seen, and this is all in like the past six to eight weeks, we saw a political activist uh, there murdered by another woman uh, over a dispute over money. We saw a female minister uh, murdered during a carjacking in Memphis. Memphis, according to the statistics, is the most dangerous place in America. Memphis, there's a 1 in 12 chance, if you live in Memphis, you will be the victim of a violent and or property crime in Memphis. A 1 in 12 chance. Memphis uh, in 2021 and in 2020 set records for the city of Memphis as it relates to murder. Memphis is a victim and suffering the consequences of a demonic baby mama culture. I'm going to tie this all together. I know you guys that listen to Glenn's show know this because I know Glenn talks about it all the time. The destruction of family is the destruction of America. When you destroy the family, you destroy all norms, all morality, all order. It's all destroyed when you destroy the family. Memphis, like a lot of urban cities, dominated by uh, what has been called or what is being portrayed as black hip-hop culture, is being embraced, it's it's embracing baby mama culture. 
And and this week on my show on Fearless, we talked about a rapper by the name of Jay Fizzle. He did an interview uh, with with some podcast or YouTube show where he showed up on set with 17 of his baby mamas and he has 22 kids and he's 28 years old. And this is what's being celebrated and normalized in hip hop culture. People are afraid to speak out against it because the left has said any criticism of that culture is racist. And they've defined that culture as black. And what the culture really is, is demonic. It's satanic. It's anti-God. It's secular. It's do as thou wilt. Aleister Crowley's philosophy. And it's not black people. It's the culture. And so the message I want to send to you all today and the message we were putting out on my show all week is culture kills, not color. And this is why those of us that are believers, regardless of faith, if you're a believer, if you believe in Judeo-Christian values, if you're a look, I'm a Christian. I grew up Baptist. I, I just I don't want to limit it to people of my faith, if you believe in God, you have to develop the courage to stand on your biblical faith and criticize the culture, not the color. The color is not the problem. I am black. I'm a Christian. My family, black, Christian, black isn't the problem. It's the culture that many black people have adopted or that Hollywood and the puppet masters have assigned to black people. That culture is satanic and we have to have the courage to speak out against that culture. And the only way we can do that is if we make God front and center of our criticism of that demonic culture. Again, when it relates, I have a saying, a philosophy that I'm trying to promote amongst the people that follow my show, support my show. And it's that bearing witness requires courage, not perfection. And so what the left does is they hold us to a standard of perfection. If you're not the perfect person, shut your mouth. And we get to determine who the perfect people are. And the perfect people never say an imprecise word. And that's a standard that none of us can admit can meet. We all say imprecise things, and but they use that imprecise and say, oh my God, you called someone a boy, therefore you're racist, therefore shut up, and anything that comes out of your mouth is poison. And, and oh, uh, you, you go to BYU, and we'll get into that, and some kid that wasn't even a student allegedly 
uh, said the N-word at some volleyball player, and because you went to BYU or because you go to BYU, you're part of that sin, so shut up and, and don't criticize anything. And if you do criticize what is being called black culture, you're racist. We're going to have to stand on our faith and our biblical principles, and we're going to have to, it's going to require courage to do this, not perfection. I am flawed. I sin. Thank God for Jesus Christ, because I sin. I don't do it proudly. I'm just flawed. I'm just human. I'm the seed of Adam. It's just going to happen. My sin is not going to silence me from speaking truth. You can't let your sin. And again, I know some of you are sitting there saying, hey, Jason, it's easier for you. You're black. It's not really easier. I, I get called all kinds of names. I pay a price for speaking truth, for having the courage to stand on my biblical worldview. I get persecuted just as you. It's not easy. Do you know how much? Money I could be making if I was willing to sell out. I I made my name in the sports media world and lane. They're paying a guy, Stephen A. Smith, over at ESPN, $12, $13 million a year. There's no one in the sports media industry. And I worked there and worked at ESPN and worked at Fox Sports and had my own television show and made millions of dollars doing those TV shows. But there's no one in the sports media world who would ever, anybody with a brain, who would ever argue that Stephen A. Smith has one-tenth of my talent. And I don't say that to denigrate Stephen A. Smith. I'm just being factual about my talent and record of accomplishment as a sports media person. But I'm not willing to tell the kind of lies and to sh- display the kind of cowardice it, make, it, it takes to make it in that industry, in this modern culture that has turned so secular. I'm not willing to do that. So there is a price that I'm paying. And so I don't want you to say, oh, it's easier for you, Whitlock, you're black. No, there's a price I'm paying for not selling out. And I'm telling you, you have to have the courage to pay that price. Don't let your sin silence you. This And so the, the strategy I'm telling you is talk about the culture, not the color. Because the color isn't the problem. It's the culture. If you see people invested in, believing in a culture that leads to death, and baby mama culture leads to death, when you keep bringing kids into the world that you have no intention of taking full responsibility for, That's how you end up with 19-year-olds driving around the city of, of Memphis shooting people on Facebook Live. That is a 19 year old who has clearly been abandoned by mama and daddy. And I don't mean to demonize his mom and daddy because I don't know, but I know the culture of Memphis. And I know the culture that's pervasive in many of these urban areas and cities that are racked by violent criminals. You can't have 70, 75% of your kids 
Growing up in single parent homes or growing up in grandmama's house or auntie's house or foster care without chaos, destruction and violence coming along with that package. We have to criticize that culture. We have to rid our society of that culture. It's not the color we want to get rid of. It's the culture. I don't really know people that have a problem with my color. I know people like myself who have a problem with a demonic culture that doesn't care for its kids, that doesn't properly care for its kids. You have a right to object to that. You have to have the courage to object to that. Criticize the culture, leave color out of it, stand on your biblical beliefs. That's the only way we save this country. That's the only way we right the wrongs that are going on in Memphis and in other cities around this country. I've gone too long. Sarah's frowning at me. I need more discipline as it comes to the microphone. Don't go anywhere. I got more to say on this. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. Miss a day, miss a lot. Visit blazetv.com today and never miss a moment of truth. Welcome back to the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck. Jason Whitlock, I'm the host of Fearless with Jason Whitlock right here on Blaze TV. Uh, you can also find me at youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. That's where my program drops Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 Eastern. Uh, please go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe button. Join the Fearless Army because we have conversations like I'm having right now every day on this show. And I want to go back to this Memphis issue and, and why the solution is for those of us that are believers to invite people into our culture. And I'm speaking now specifically to those of you that are Christians, because I, I, I got to talk about what I know. And my Christian culture has no color. These atheists, these anti-God people, they have colorized culture and they have demonized Christianity. And they have demonized those of us that are believers and we're the root of all evil. And it's a joke. And we must have the courage, not perfection, the courage. I am imperfect. We talk about this on my show all the time. I am imperfect. The contributors on my show, I don't know all the details of their lives, but trust me, they're imperfect too. We don't require perfection. We require courage. And particularly men, if you don't man up and have the courage to stand on your biblical faith, we're going to lose this country. You're going to leave your kids an oppressive Marxist communist run country. 
you're going to continue to swallow the boot of these atheist leftists and your kids are going to get it even worse if we don't have the courage to stand on our faith and invite people into our culture and explain to them how this demonic, godless, anti-family culture that they have embraced is going to destroy them and to destroy this country and to destroy the future of their kids. Culture is colorless. Invite them into yours. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Today I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Memphis and just persecution and, and uh, not on this show, but later on Fearless, we're going to actually talk to Royce White about Steve Bannon and Steve Bannon's latest arrest uh, in New York. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Steve, Steve Bannon is being persecuted. And, that's, and tr- he's being persecuted, in my belief, because of his faith mm. and, and because, again, obviously his relationship to Donald Trump and, and all of that, but mostly Steve Bannon has a biblical worldview. And uh, not saying that's not like everything about Trump was perfect, because again, I keep going back, none of us are perfect, but believers are going to be persecuted. We have to have the courage to tolerate that affliction. That's why I go back to Vody Bakum and what he was talking about, Joseph. We have to stand strong. TJ, I was bringing up Royce White because he's going to be on Fearless tonight. I'm doing a bit of a tease on our show tonight. Royce White connected to Steve Bannon, being mentored by Steve Bannon. Royce, uh, the former NBA player that is a regular contributor on our show, one of the brightest guys on our show. I say the deepest guy, perhaps, on our show. He's very connected to Steve Bannon, so we'll have an interesting discussion and get Royce's take on what's going on with the persecution of Steve Bannon tonight on Fearless. That'll be on YouTube, youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock at 6 p.m. tonight. Today, in this final hour of the show, we're going to continue the discussion about Memphis, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about BYU and the accusations that their student body and their campus atmosphere is unsafe for black kids, and so South Carolina women's team is not going to play there. I'm going to get into that and more in the final hour of the Glenn Beck Radio Program. All right, welcome back. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck. Uh, The phone number to call is 1-888-727-2325. I want to 
invite you into our conversation about Memphis and what's going on there and my argument that we have to be willing as believers, as Christians, to criticize a culture that is clearly demonic and satanic, the whole destruction of family, the whole normalization of blowing up the nuclear family. You don't need mom and dad. Uh, All you need is one strong woman or two strong women or two strong men or foster care or grandmama care or auntie or uncle care that it's going to work out perfect. There is no society in the history of the planet, no successful society in the history of the planet that doesn't start with God's design of man, woman, and child. That's the blueprint, and that's a culture that anybody can embrace and we can invite anybody into, and we need to remove color from the conversation and talk about a culture that we want to invite people into that will lead to their success, that will lead to them having a purpose-driven life, that will lead to them being a fairer, better person that produces kids who aren't confused about who they are and what their purpose is on in this lifetime on this planet. But we've allowed the left to color code culture and we've allowed the left to demonize Judeo Christian culture. We've allowed them to paint that as racist and it's not. And, and again, The left has seduced black people into adopting a culture that's demonic and leads to their destruction. And we keep looking at the evidence in all of these major urban areas and cities across America. Kids in total chaos, kids totally objecting to any kind of authority, whether it be law enforcement or parental school teacher, school principal, any type of authority they're rejecting and they're rejecting it because the authority figures that God designed them to obey initially mama and daddy that has been disrupted. And we're painting this as some type of success story that, and this is, I'm going to get real specific and, and talk about what's going on with black people. But again, this whole, oh, the black woman is the backbone of black America. It's the weakest backbone in America, if that's the case. Just look at the results. <laughs> kids running wild. Kids out here live streaming murder. And again, I'm not saying it's all of these kids, but... Again, we can't even have the discussion about what's going on with black boys in America and how they keep falling farther and farther and farther behind. And we keep, oh, it's white people, it's racist white people, it's conservative white people. It's the culture that we have adopted and or been assigned by the left. You, This is, I'm a sports person. My background is sports. I played college football. I, my, my career initially was covering sports. 
think of whoever the worst coach is in NFL history. Rich coat tight. I, I don't know whoever, but someone that comes in with a horrendous game plan, and you follow that horrendous game plan for sixty straight years, and you never win a game. You never win a game. You may have some individuals who have, oh, he ran for 150 yards, but his team got slaughtered by 50 points. So you may have some individual success stories. Oh, I didn't have a mama or a daddy, or my daddy ran out on me, and this person had success, and blah, 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 and my parents were never together, and I this individual had success. But when you go look at the scoreboard overall, of what's going on with kids growing up in homes where 70 to 75% of them are born into single parent homes. The scoreboard is crystal clear. It's a losing game plan. And for 60 years, we've been following that demonic game plan that de-emphasizes the man, de-emphasizes family, de-emphasizes godly order. The results are all in. And it's time to change game plans and fire the head coach. And they won't do it or we're not helping enough for people to do it by saying, look, man, we have a game plan that works. It's a 2000 year old game plan. It's called the Bible. It works. The founding fathers of this country set up this system in America specifically for this biblical game plan. And the people, not every person, but the people in mass numbers who follow that game plan, regardless of color, and this is factual information, regardless of color, if you follow this game plan, the results speak for themselves. I mean, it's amazing. Black, white, Asian, Latino. You follow that biblical game plan in America. You, you follow it anywhere on the planet. But if, particularly if you follow it here in America in a system that was designed for that game plan. This was like having Jim Brown in your backfield, God blesses you with Jim Brown. And then it says, now here's a game plan right here that will exploit Jim Brown as a running back and, and you'll win championships. But the left comes in and says, yeah, I know you got Jim Brown, Jesus Christ. I know you got him, but I got this satanic game plan that I want you to follow. I want you to follow OJ's game plan. Yeah, I know you got Jim Brown, but follow OJ. And OJ not because OJ was a great running back, but you get my point. <laughs> I want you to, you know, make Whitlock your running back. That's basically what the left's game plan is. Put Jim Brown on the bench. Don't play Jesus Christ at running back. Play Whitlock. He's damn near 300 pounds. Uh, runs a six flat 40, 55 years old, uh, 
a strong gust of wind hits him and he loses his balance. Play him at running back. <laughs> and then when it doesn't work, blame white people. Now, you had Jim Brown on your team, Jesus, and the gospel, and the Bible, and the entire game. Here's, here's the instructions. This is all you need to do. It's all the wisdoms right here. It's 2,000 years of collected wisdom. Follow this, and you'll have success. Now I'm going to do it my way. I'm smarter than 2,000 years of collected wisdom. It's insanity. It's absolute insanity. But we're doing it. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to take your phone calls, and then I'm going to uh, I'm take a couple phone calls, and then I'm going to switch to BYU. BYU's put out a statement. I don't know if you saw this, TJ, but they put out a statement today about their investigation into the racial incident. We'll get into that. Uh, in the final uh, minutes of the show. But uh, 1-888-727-2325 is the number to call. Uh, We'll take your phone calls when we come back. Welcome back. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck. Uh, The phone number to call 1-888-727-2325. Mark in Ohio has been waiting patiently Mark, uh, welcome to the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Hey, thanks for having me on. Listen, you really inspired me today. These are some things that mean a lot to me. Sorry. Um, um, My credentials. um, So I am the father of 11 children. I have four boys, seven girls. Hold on, hold on. Um, Hold on, Mark. Mark, I mean, 11 kids. I mean, you're not playing around out there. You've... You got you got the you got several Ivy League degrees. You got a master's degree, a PhD, everything. No, no, <laughs> Eleven I'm, I'm kids. You've been busy, man. I'm just a, I'm just a guy, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and for for my credentials, so, and I have fourteen grandchildren so far, and only half of them are married. And oh, by the way, all of them that had kids were married. Um, and you know, four four sons, three of them were in the military. Uh, two are looking to go into law enforcement now. Um, three of my uh, kids are credentialed pastors, and I am not. Um, but I, you know, here's the story. So you've been too busy you know, to be a pastor. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty years ago, when we had our second kid, yeah. uh, we talked about it, and my wife quit work to be a full time mom. And we gave up 50% of her income. And I was only, I mean, this is 30 years ago. I was only making 25000 a year. She was making two-thirds of what I was. It's like, yeah, we won't be ordering any pizzas, right? So, you know, we, and, and 30 years later, I mean, she, she homeschooled them all. They are all amazing kids. And But there is a cost to that. I mean, you probably gave up a lot more bucks, but, I mean, we struggled, you know, and then I did good. I did good in my career. I've been able to take care of them. We're, you know, upper middle class. And, you know, I worked hard. This is the first time I've been able to call in because I'm always working. I don't have time to listen to the radio. But I'm going up to see my mom because this is my first day off in almost a month. And my mom lives uh, hours north. And it's like, well, my first day off, what am I going to do? I'm going to go see my mom because this stuff's important. So, that rapper you were talking about should absolutely get an award for worst father of the year. 
he won't be a father to any of them. He can't. And he does, it sounds like he doesn't care. And yes, it makes a difference. And you are right about culture. Culture is the killer. Uh, I mean, I look at it here in Columbus, Ohio, all the shootings, you know, they're all inner city and these, this baby mama stuff doesn't get it. A kid needs a mom, needs a dad. My wife is an amazing mom. Mark, it sounds like you've produced an amazing family. Uh, you're going to be rewarded uh, for that. You've already been rewarded for it. Uh, and it sounds like you've produced good fruit that's, you know, rewarded this society. And, you know, we thank you for your service. Uh, and and I say that no pun intended. Mm-hmm. You up because I need, I need exactly your list. Well, I'm glad you found me, and I hope you found uh, the Fearless Podcast. It's wherever podcasts are on Apple. You can go subscribe on Apple as well. We're directing people today to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. That's W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K. You need to do that right now. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the phone call. Blake, Blake in Texas. Yeah, hey, Captain Jason Whitlock. Yeah, I'm coming to the captain. I got a complaint about the coach. See, what we got is a 12th man, but we got the wrong 12th man. It's either God or the government. For three generations, we've seen the government step in and take over the responsibility of the male in raising the children. And it was a convenience for these people, but it it also sidelined the man from being part of the family because he had to hide in order for the family to get the money, if it was even a family at that point. I mean, I, I got great admiration for Mark and his ability to juggle, but it doesn't even, you don't have to be that lucky in life. You just got to be dedicated to the right thing. And we need a new coach because our dedication on the 12th man, that fan that everybody wants ain't God, it's the government. And eventually the government's going to run out of good people because the 49% that are working really hard are going to be voted by the 51% to even work harder. And after a while, it stops. You just can't do that as a society anymore. You copy? Blake, thank you for the phone call. Good stuff. I like the analogy, TJ, because basically uh, I'll go at it a different way. We won't talk about running backs. It's like... We had the right life coach, Jesus Christ. We had the Bill Belichick, greater than Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi, Phil Jackson, Red Albrecht, uh, Tony Dungy, all of it rolled into one. We got the most amazing coach, great playbook, the Bible. And I'm looking at people rejected and then getting mad at the people they keep saying, hey, no, try my playbook. Try my culture. And and we've convinced a certain segment of the population that if, you, if you're white and you try that culture, you're a racist. If you're black and you try that culture, you're a sellout. And, and it's, it's the f- culture and the formula that works. And it's been proven throughout the history of time. And so if someone can point me to a great society or any working, properly functioning society that works without man, woman, and child as the foundation, 
that nuclear family structure that I don't even know why we call it nuclear, that God blessed, God designed family structure. That's what works. And we can't move away from that if we continue to move away from it. And if we continue to demonize that structure, that game plan, we're going to continue to get the results and the consequences that we're seeing in Memphis and these other major cities. And we're seeing this whole country torn down because we're rejecting the Bill Belichick of playbooks. I, it, it, it baffles me. We only got 30 seconds here, TJ. I, I, I ramble too much. But anyway, I want you to jump in here for now 29 seconds. The uh, what you're talking about, man, woman, and child, it turns out it was not just a biological necessity and a time where it actually takes a man and a woman to make a child, and then it takes both of you to take care of them. Um, it turns out that there's far more to that. Even when you have the technology where a woman perhaps could make it by herself, she's not getting her meet, needs met. Men aren't getting their meet, needs met, and it's kids, all a disaster. Kids ain't getting their needs met. That's, That's the right. number one thing. A woman wants to blow her life up, have at it. If a man wants to blow his life up, have at it. A kid, that's where I draw the line. All right, we're going to talk BYU next. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck radio program. TJ, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, I certainly have. Uh, have you noticed the number of women calling the show today with me sitting in as host? From my understanding is that when Glenn's the host, you know, women tend to stay away. But I think it's my good looks, uh, the weight that I've lost, that uh, the female callers have just, just come out of the woodwork and we're hearing from many of them uh, today about how much they've enjoyed the show, how much they've enjoyed looking at the show. It, they really don't even have to hear me. They just need to see me. Mm. And so the ratings for women has just gone through the wolf roof. Uh, and so I normally wouldn't do this, but I'm going <coughs> to squeeze in one other phone call just because Sherilyn, I think, has been waiting for two to three hours to talk to me. I think she <laughs> called in actually before the show started, just hearing that I would be on. And so, uh, Sherilyn, uh, welcome to the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Hi, Jason. It's so great to talk to you. You've got a new fan. This is the first time I've watched a long sec- section of your show or you filling in for Glenn. I'm very, I, I am very excited to be able to share and back up what you said because it's a very important message. Well, Sherilyn, I appreciate you calling up and calling me and giving me those words of support. Uh, and I know that uh, Glenn appreciates you as well. Well, I'd like to just say what I very um, greatly support is the message of culture, not color. Um, because my experience um, with the, I believe, welfare mostly caused this culture was my, I'm white and my sister white got sucked into the welfare culture, which totally destroyed the lives of her children. Um, The only thing that saved me was my faith in God. I started following harder after God. I made my own mistakes. I got divorced, unfortunately, myself, but I got closer into God and followed him. And he 
pulled me and saved me from that awful culture. And it was not, and I can also not only verify it's not a black, white thing, there was Hispanic friends and their lives were all destroyed and their kids' lives had no future. The ones that I know, I can't speak for everybody. Obviously there are some people that use it and get out, but the ones I saw, I mean, this one young girl, my heart breaks for her. She believes by just staying on welfare and taking care of her kids alone and getting sucked up into all that, that she's doing what she's supposed to do for her kids. She has no idea that there's a different lifestyle, that marriage and providing for your child yourself and not depending on the state, it, 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 that's the way it's supposed to be. And they don't understand why their lives are destroyed and their kids' lives go into such bad places. And I, I watched Uncle Tom, too, which was a great, um, greatly showed the Marxism and the, and the welfare state as being that cause of that cult, that godless, very, very godless. And it, it's not only a cause, it also puts up a barrier between the church reaching them because their God is now the state. And God, God-fearing people, we tried ministries that try to reach, but because the state provides everything they need, they have no interest because they have to give up something. God's and, inv- and Sherilyn, to- thank you. God is very jealous, and he wants you to be dependent on him, not the government, not anything else. And so when the government tries to make you dependent on them, again, they're actually working against God and working against what's best for all of us. Thank you so much for the call. I want to uh, spend the rest of the show talking a little bit about this BYU situation that went on with the Duke volleyball player and the accusations that BYU students showered the Duke uh, women's volleyball team with uh, racial slurs and other taunts and harassment. BYU has issued a statement uh, this morning. I'm going to read parts or maybe all of this statement. We'll see. Uh, As part of our commitment to take any claims of racism seriously, BYU has completed its investigation into the allegation that racial heckling and slurs took place at the Duke versus BYU women's volleyball match on August 26th. We reviewed all available video, audio recordings, including security footage and raw footage from all camera angles taken by BYU TV of the match with broadcasting audio removed to ensure that the noise from the stands could be heard more clearly. We also reached out to more than 50 individuals who attended the event. Duke Athletic Department personnel and student-athletes, BYU Athletic Department personnel and student-athletes, event security and management and fans who were in the arena that evening, including many of the fans in the on-court student section. From our extensive review, we have not found any evidence to corroborate the allegation that fans engaged in racial heckling or uttered racial slurs at the event. As we stated earlier, we would not tolerate any conduct that would make a student athlete feel unsafe. That is the reason for our immediate response and our thorough investigation. As a result of our investigation, we have lifted the ban on the fan who was identified as having uttered racial slurs during the match. We have not found any evidence that the individual engaged in such activity. BYU sincerely apologizes to that fan for any hardship the ban has caused. Our fight is against racism, not against any individual or any institution. Each person impacted has strong feelings and experience, which we honor, and we encourage others to show similar civility and respect. We remain committed to rooting out racism wherever it is found. We hope we can all join together in that important fight. 
There's more to the statement. I'm going to stop there. Look, this thing was bogus from the start, and it just didn't make sense. And again, I don't, I don't have a great deal of expertise with BYU. I do, speaking in transparency, 20 years ago, for several, I dated a Mormon woman. And the Mormons that I experienced, racism was not their issue. Now, do I have some disagreements about John Smith and their religion? Yes, that's an issue. But that's not what we're here to discuss. Racism, not their issue. Uh, I found out within the past year, a dude that I grew up with, one of my one of my brother's best friends and one of my best friends, I'm going to call his name, Todd Pruitt, black dude, married to a black wife. Just this past year, I've known this guy since I was in seventh or eighth grade. I, I can't remember. Maybe six, maybe longer than that. He's a Mormon. He and his wife. I had no idea. And hmm. they've been Mormon for like 25 years. Some of the best people I know, black. And I, when they told me they were Mormons, I was like, man, you're Mormon? Bro. Asked them all a bunch of questions about their experience as Mormons. Racism is not the issue they're dealing with in the Mormon church. The whole idea that a group of college kids at Brigham Young University, a religious school, would be showering young girls with racial taunts just didn't make sense to me. They don't, they rarely cuss. At BYU, but they're at a sporting event that's nationally televised and they're shouting or not nationally, but just televised that's televised and they're shouting racial slurs at some young girls. I just didn't buy it. What Don Staley and other people and, and again, the whole thing, ESPN, Stephen A. Smith immediately jumped on this. Other people immediately jumped on this and sold this story off of a 19-year-old girl's word and her godmother, who's some kind of uh, Democratic politician in Texas that has a history of being anti-white racist and has a history of promoting racial hoaxes. It never made sense. I'm glad BYU uh, has finally found its footing and did a thorough investigation. I actually think BYU handled it properly. Mm. Go Fall on your sword immediately and then do the investigation. Take all the right steps. Do what the left wants you to do and then let the facts come clean up this mess. And that's what they've done. And so I think BYU has some credibility to their report because of their initial handling of it. They took her at her word and then did an investigation and found out something different. I kind of like the way BYU handled it. I thought it was weak. Um, I don't think you assume somebody's guilty, suspend someone, expel them from a- any campus uh, sporting event, and then come back and say, you're guilty until proven innocent. We finally proved you're innocent. I didn't like that. I also think that um, while it does probably give some uh, credibility to their investigation, I, s- I think their final response was weak. I think they should have gone hard at Don Staley. And I think they should have gone hard at. Oh, they're going hard at Don Staley. Well, I read the whole. Again, not by name, but just by putting out this report. I think they should do it by name. I think they need to single her out for singling them out and say, you're trying to defame our good name. And we take this stuff seriously. And this is who we are. And we're a Mormon institution. 
And you've gone out of your way to make sure that people think we're something we're not. We're not going to put up with that. And so the same lawsuit that she filed against Mizzou a few years ago for defamation, they should be filing that same lawsuit against her. Certainly should. You got to go on offense. I'm so tired of the defense. This is defense. I would like to see BYU go on full offense. And I, and We'll go on offense. Yeah, we'll go on offense. <laughs> the one thing where I think I'm fine with them pulling back is this girl's probably the, the, the Duke young lady. She's probably 18, 19 or 19 whatever. Years old. You don't need to go hard at her. If she's going to, fine. But everybody else involved needs to get the hammer. And, and so this is a lot of defense for me, way too much. All right. Uh, we'll take some more of your phone calls and wrap up the show. Next. All right, we got just a few minutes left with you, but uh, I have more time for those of you that want more of me. Jason Whitlock sitting in for Glenn Beck. Uh, Check out my Fearless podcast and Blaze TV show. Uh, The show airs on YouTube and on Blaze TV, but on YouTube you can find me at youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Show airs every night at 6 p.m. It premieres on Apple and other wherever podcasts are uh, played at 4 p.m. if you just want to hear the audio. But as you can tell by the response of today's show, the female audience really wants to see me. And 55, that's why, no baggage? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. You're a unicorn. Yeah, I really am. And <laughs> But it's just such an upgrade from Glenn. You know how much better I look than Glenn? Even unshaven like I am right now. I think that's what the women are responding to. Uh, Jessica... In California, be quick, but don't hurry. Okay, yes. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm calling in because I completely agree with everything you're saying and how the decimation of families is being created with this new culture and new wave. I am a mother of four. I am a minority. And I wish more women would stand up to against this demonic society that we've created with just separating the families, removing the men from the households. If more women who believed in the nuclear family would stand up against what's going on, I believe we would not be the minority. We want success in our society, in our schools, and we're having it muddied by these waters of everything, you know, transgenderism, all this stuff. It's, it's literally removing God has, it's destroying our future. I've, I homeschool my children now because of all the chaos being created, and it just hurts my heart to see the path that society is going. And being in California, one of the most horrific liberal states there is, <laughs> next to New York. <laughs> Not next to New York. It's worse than New York, Heidi. <laughs> I mean, Jessica. Jessica, I got to let you go, though. I appreciate the call. I don't want to be sure, but I want to get – some others in Heidi in New Mexico. Be quick, but don't hurry. I challenge you to go do your homework on Mormons. I was raised a Mormon. My whole entire family is Mormon, and they are some of the most racist people I have ever met. I am in an interracial marriage, and my children are nothing but wetbacks to the Mormon community and my Mormon family. So go do your you know that they didn't let black men become priesthood members until 1978. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware of their mistakes. They're racist. Go do your homework. They're racist. 
Thank you, Heidi. Listen, Heidi, and and now you've forced me to be even more transparent. My dad, racist, awesome human being. He was flawed. He grew up in a time uh, where he had some awful things happen to him that created some animosity uh, in him that he couldn't get rid of and uh, had some real strong objections to some of my dating choices. And uh, so I'm just not someone, people are flawed and people's feelings on race are far more complicated than what we can present in a short conversation over the radio. And I'm not excusing whatever you've experienced from your family and behavior, but I've lived it in my own life. And I'm not, you'll never get me to write off my dad, ever, because I never saw him treat a person poorly. I never saw him treat uh, a woman that I dated that he disagreed with. Never saw him treat her poorly. These issues are more complicated than just, oh, people are racist and blah, blah, blah. But I appreciate your phone call. I appreciate you guys uh, lending me your ear today. I hope that I've done Glenn justice. Uh, I've been certainly enjoyed it. Hope to be back. Uh, Check me out tonight on Fearless. Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Uh, We'll probably talk a little BYU. We'll talk some Steve Bannon. We'll be fearless. This is the Glenn Beck Program.